Hey, this is Barry, and you're listening to Alan and Brian on I Lived the 90s. Hey guys, and welcome back to I Live the 90s, a podcast by your co-hosts Brian and Alan. This week we're going to be talking about In Living Color, a fantastic show that had a short run of about five years from 1990 to 1994-5. I don't know how they count seasons, it's kind of weird. But uh, one of our favorites and just so much incredible content came out of this short show that it really does go up against like the best of all time that SNL has to offer, that Mad TV has to offer. We're gonna get into some of the most popular sketches, do something different in like a lightning round actually. And then we're gonna get into like the brightest burning stars that came off of this show, which were uh, J-Lo from last week, uh, Jim Carrey and Jamie Foxx. So with, 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 with all of that, let's say hello to our co-host, Alan. Alan, how you doing, man? I'm doing good today, man. I loved In Living Color. I watched it when I was just a little boy, maybe when I shouldn't have, but uh, it was so fun to watch. So many funny characters, so many um, original sketches. I learned a lot about pop culture watching that show, and it was just fun seeing them make fun of the world uh, through that lens of Keenan Ivory Waynes, who was, uh, I think, a really good uh, creative writer. Mm-hmm. But uh, before we get into all that, we have our very own uh, Fire Marshal, Fire Marshal Barry, is going to tell us what we need to learn this week. So, Barry, come and show us something. All right. Thanks, guys. As you recall, time episode eight was Selena, the singer and the movie. She did make her debut on the Johnny Canales show before her 13th birthday, which places it before. April 16th, 1984, Uh, Selena did win Best Female Vocalist at the Tejano Music Awards in 1987 and for nine straight years after, including posthumously in 1996. The one you're probably thinking of where she won all the awards was held in San Antonio February 11th, 1995, when we were in fifth grade, and the promoters called it the Quinceanera because it was the 15th uh, episode of the show. Selena was killed on Friday, March 31st, 1995, at a shooting at Days Inn in Corpus Christi. Dreaming of You, the album, was released uh, just a few months later, July of 1995, and sold a whole bunch of copies. Selena, the movie, starring Jennifer Lopez, was released March 21st, 1997, which puts us in seventh grade, or 13 years old, not 10, like uh, Brian probably was when he saw her... uh, in Lubbock. Uh, J-Lo did release a Spanish album. I'm not going to butcher the title, uh, but in Spanish, but in English, it's How a Woman Loves. It was released almost 10 years to the day, uh, March 23rd, 2007, after the Selena movie. That's all I got this time, guys. Uh, great job, and back to you. All right. Thank you, Barry. As always, a uh, great recap on on last week's episode, and uh, keep up, keep up the good work, sir. So today we are talking about In Living Color, a brilliant, brilliant sketch comedy show from the early 90s. It was uh, created, produced by Keenan Ivory Waynes from the Waynes family. There were five members of the Waynes family on that show that either wrote, directed, acted, uh, spun. I think Marlon Waynes was, was the house DJ for a while there. Yeah. Ta- talented family. Um, 
what you were saying earlier is uh, nepotism gone right. So, uh, <laughs> what do you what do you what do you remember from the Wayne's family kind of running that show? Just what you said, like Keenan Ivory was sort of like the patriarch. Like I don't know how much older that he was than all of them, but he definitely seemed much much older, and he was kind of like spearheading like both the creative side and the business side for the show altogether. But any anywhere you looked, like there was another Wayne's and another sketch and to the nepotism gone good. Like they all had, even if it was nepotism, they all had really good sort of like comedic chops and he put them in positions to win. So you can tell it was probably just stuff they had been laughing about since they were little kids and like characters they probably created. They were like, oh yeah, like we got to We got to do that now that we have like cameras uh, trained on us too. Um, it was a five year run and I, I'm not sure how many I saw, but there was a, a period of time where actually like my mom and stepdad and I would watch all of these shows and Frank, my stepdad would like, record them so he'd record like that martin um living single like that whole night of comedy i don't know what night it was a sunday night i don't even remember actually. i remember yeah and living color ran on sunday nights and uh i watched it as a i mean i was a really young boy when that show came on and kind of a recurring theme in this podcast is i watched a lot of television as a child <laughs> i watched a lot of inappropriate television 100 percent and uh, man, that was one of those shows, man. Looking back on it now, some of the characters, some of the ideas was really pushing the limits of political correctness and oh, censorship. Yeah. And that's ultimately, I think, why it got canceled kind of prematurely. I think Fox just said, look, man, we, we can't do this anymore. <laughs> this, this, uh, this show is way, way too edgy. It's true, too. And, you know, I think part of the issue was just like an attrition of, like, talent. So he had all these it was like an incubator for really, really like a few just stratospheric popular, you know, people, maybe, maybe the funniest comedian of like the 1990s in movies with Jim Carrey was on this, but it seemed like those things in tandem where Keenan Ivory Waynes was having, was it on Fox? Yeah. Yeah. So it was on Fox and just like, maybe he was having a fight with the networks to like have creative stuff on it. Um, and also just like year after year losing super talented people because they had, you know, he went on to make, Ace Ventura, The Mask, Ace Ventura 2, um, Cable Guy, all those movies that he went off to make. So I think it makes the most sense just to sort of talk about that before we get into the show, just sort of the the really popular people that kind of springboard for it. And I think the easiest way to launch into this one is actually to pick up where we left off like last episode, where Selena, played by Jennifer Lopez, actually started as a fly girl. And I think we mentioned that in the, in the episode. So right. she started off with the fly girls, and I... I saw this randomly after watching the Selena, like it was really funny last week, like after we did the episode, there was like a two day, just like Selena, everything. So I like watched the movie and then I was like, wanted to learn more about Jennifer Lopez and saw that she and Jamie Foxx actually started on the exact same day, um, on in living color in season three, uh, wow. of episode one, which I didn't know that before. I just kind of thought Jamie Foxx was there for its entire run, but she was a fly girl and was a dancer. And I remember like at the time, not really liking her that much. And I think even last episode I said, you know, it was because she like had it. She had a star factor where like you could kind of see her and I didn't know why, but clearly like she's proven why even at the Super Bowl this year. Yeah. Yeah. And the things when you think about it, when you think about all the, all the talent on that show, she kind of did the least of all the people that emerged from that show to become, you know, mega, mega star, not just superstars. I mean, mega stars. I mean, yeah. I mean, Jim between Jim Carrey, Jamie Foxx, and uh, and there were regular players on the show. They were actors. They 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 may have done some writing as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know they were they were key figures in the show. She was just kind of the entertainment kind of between scenes. You know, we're cutting to a, to a commercial break with 
five, six other other dancers. But between J-Lo, Jamie Foxx, Jim Carrey, you're talking Grammys, you're talking uh, Oscars, you're talking, I mean, the pinnacle of success. <laughs> in, in arts in and entertainment. Business. Yeah. Well, yeah. so even after that, so there was that little bridge between her leaving the Fly Girls and becoming Selena, which was like, she was actually in that's the way love goes video which is like a very famous video uh from janet jackson during our youth it was like right. that do you remember like that black and white and yeah it got a little extra burn later in the decade at an mtv movie awards when like in sync redid it and i remember like that's kind of i think that was the moment that i was like okay because there was a lot of in sync bashing from like guys our age because all the girls mm-hmm. love them so there was just like this natural like haterade we were all drinking at least at my school um and when i saw that that's the way love goes like remake that they did and that might have been all like 2000, 2001 even. I remember coming around like, okay, NSYNC isn't so bad. And now my like full-on fanboying of like Justin Timberlake. But that's going down in a completely different road. Um, so what do you think between Jamie Foxx and Jim Carrey, like who was the bigger star maybe like now? Who, who ended up like Man. doing the best? Because like you got to take into account how fast Jim Carrey rose. I mean, Jim Carrey wins the 90s. We're yeah. talking about what this podcast is. It's mm-hmm. it's as far as the 90s, Jim Carrey was the man of the 90s. The Ace Ventura, The Mask, just dumb and dumber. I mean, just hit after hit after hit. He was hilarious in all of them. But he doesn't have the hardware. I mean, mm-hmm. Jamie Foxx has won an Oscar. He has won a Best Actor Oscar. I actually think and- he was nominated for two Oscars in the same year. So, like, maybe he played, like, he got, like, for Ray. Is that the one he won? I think that's the one he won. Yeah. And then he was so that was for the main actor, the like, what's the Just the lead, leading, yeah, leading role. Yeah. And then that same year, he was in Collateral with Tom Cruise, and he was nominated as a supporting actor because he was like the taxi driver in that. So you want to talk about mm-hmm. it? It's like you're right, but I think you you nailed it when you said for the '90s for the this podcast, like it's Jim Carrey. There's no yeah. kind of ifs, ands, or buts about it. Yeah, yeah, Jim Carrey wins the '90s, but I think Jamie Foxx wins the overall race. I think. J Lo's up there with him, but she doesn't have the the, the hardware that he has. Um, but as far as mega stardom, you know, headlining the Super Bowl just this year after so many years, seriously, uh, in the game. I mean, she's she's got an empire, and uh, I think she's right behind him. And, and weirdly enough, as hot of a start as he got to his career, I think Jim Carrey's probably number three right now. Uh, he's kind of uh, gotten weird a little bit in the last <laughs> few years. And- yes, he went from being happy fun time overacting character guy in all those movies that we named earlier to like by the end he was doing Truman Show um Eternal Sunshine for the Spotless Mind and like really wanted to become a true actor and like somewhere in there I think he really got like lost in a way because he just had a hard time digging out of it because he wanted to be he did what was the uh, the biopic that he did uh, man on the moon man on the moon Th- that was the moment i think that he kind of like went off the like he yeah. just and even now i think they just re-released like where he was basically doing like the andy kaufman andy kaufman trick like there was like a little bit of like a do you know what i'm talking about like in andy where kaufman he, like, Inception. Went off, where he went uh he kind of went off script uh in an interview and people couldn't tell if it was a work or a shoot <laughs> with uh with the scene he was creating well no i think where he was just so into that method. I don't know if that's method acting or whatever, but like where he got so into that character. There's actually a documentary about him doing like you remember. I think it was the 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 act the character that that Andy Kaufman played was like Tony Clifton, right? Oh, the so, lounge singer. Yeah. So like basically, yeah. Jim Carrey 
Tony Clifton, Andy Kaufman, if that makes sense. So there's like this entire thing where he was pretending to be Andy Kaufman, even when the cameras were, were not rolling, but he was doing his own like private documentary that just came out in the last oh. like year and a half. It's really like meta third level, like yeah. tertiary, like, <laughs> and that's the kind of stuff that like, you know, just kind of a little, not normal basically. Mm-hmm. But I totally agree with you that he's, he's, uh, he's number three. So, you know, I think that's, that's pretty good. If there's any other you know, follow up thoughts you think, like, let's kind of get into the show itself. Let's talk about the show, man. I loved it. <laughs> so one thing we've already brought up a couple times that I think kind of made the lasting mark for me were the music, the musical acts. I think those were just, that was some oh, yeah. of the chance to see like one guy who was like on a tier just below these, those three guys, um, but was like a big player on that show specifically was Tommy Davidson. So he did like the, obviously the famous like, MC Hammer one that we talked about where like Hammer gets lost in his own pants and he's like, oh, oh, oh. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but then he did the, the, maybe the best like song parody of them all in uh, Michael Jackson's Am I Black or White? Um, yeah, so Black kind of... or White, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, is, that's my favorite. Is that your favorite? Uh, do you have a, a different favorite? Uh, well, I, I did like his, I mean, the Black or White is my favorite video that he did, video parody, but the best Tommy Davidson, Michael Jackson skit was, it was called, uh, real, real quick, it was called Home Alone Again. Okay. It was after, it was after Home Alone 1 came out, and actually a, a, a not then known Jonathan Taylor Thomas played um, Kevin McAllister. Okay. And, uh, and Michael Jackson was trying to break into his house so they could play. And with every like booby trap that was from the movie, it related to like an actual Michael Jackson attribute somehow. So, for example, Michael grabs like the hot doorknob. He's like, "Ooh!" and then like puts slides of white glove over his hand to like make it feel better. I remember that. And then, you know, like BB gun through the doggy door to the nuts, like, "Ooh!" like grabs, grabs, grabs his crotch. And the best one, the best one, or probably the meanest one, you know, the blowtorch to the head as he opens the door. Yeah. It was like reenacting the Pepsi commercial burning that uh, Michael Jackson's hair caught on fire. Oh, that's fantastic. This is so fresh to me because actually with my boys, I just had a, had a monster day three weeks ago where my wife was doing something. It was like she had her sisters over and it was like a girl's day and it was like a rainy day. And with like COVID, we can't just like go somewhere. So we just like... Me and Philip and, and Owen were just like relegated to, to the to the media room where you know we don't spend too much time. It's mostly the kids' playroom now. But we we did a back to back showing of uh, Space Jam and Home Alone, and like I have scarcely heard my kids' belly laughing like that. Like I kind of forgot what that pure unadulterated joy of just like that. It's just so fresh and so new to them. Like they're not jaded. You know, I've talked about it on the podcast where they're not jaded by like they don't watch SpongeBob, they don't watch TV and stuff like that. So like all of those things. Like they hit with the like seven to twelve crowd, and like it's just there's nothing yeah. like that whatsoever. Um, before we go on, I want to take a TV timeout and talk about uh, an interesting factoid that I learned about Macaulay Culkin since it came up tangentially. Did you know that when he shot Richie Rich, which is actually also a good movie, my kids just saw that that holds up. Um, he was actually the richest kid in the world. <laughs> Really? Yeah. <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> just like so that's so perfect. Uh, all right, time out over. Back to the back to the to the main program. Um so yeah, no, I I, I totally like that that skit was was really, really funny. He, I mean who knows how many times he actually did um Michael Jackson, but those two were definitely memorable because like the, at the very end what's controversial I don't know if it's controversial. It's controversial by today's standards, but you know, there's the the famous scene. What what um video are they actually mimicking when he's in the like the alley? 
and like the wind blows him over and all. what what what's that, the real black, it's black, black it is black or white okay yeah so at the very end of both like he's like beating up this car he's got a crowbar and he's like stomping on it he's doing the oh and the wind is, is blowing through his hair and stuff like that and uh this uh this this cop comes along he just kind of whistles at him and uh michael jackson does this like he comes down he says and he gets down and he does a dance move, and his finishing move is actually like sort of snapping like across the, the cop's face. He's like, I was wondering, officer, could you tell me, am I black or white? And he's like, you're going to jail, and he snaps the cuffs on him. <laughs> and then do you remember like the ending line to that one? I'll say it. <laughs> I must be black then. <laughs> That's so ridiculous. Which is I like, like how you're setting me up to have to actually say it. You know, oh, I nice, nicely played there. Hey, welcome, welcome to the behind, the behind the scenes. Um, that's yeah. what I do. As you said famously in the last episode, that's what we do. Um, <laughs> oh, man. That, yes, that is my head is hurting from that. Um, but moving on. Um, we, can go, we can go a number of ways here. We can go into just like random skits we remember. We can go into... Um, the, the worlds are always for man. There's so much material here. I'm really excited about this. Man, just hit, hit me with some characters, man. And I right. just... Let's do, let's do, let's do like a little lightning round. I'm going to go through some characters, like you said, and you'll just kind of go, give me what you remember about them. We'll start off the top. Fire Marshal Bill. Oh man, Jim Carrey is a, let let me show you something. And uh, we touched on this in one of our lost episodes, but what was best about that character, Jim Carrey plays a fire marshal and it, it, it goes to show how good Jim Carrey was at acting and looking deformed without having like makeup or special effects or anything. He, he was able just by contorting his face and his teeth <laughs> to look like a burnt guy. And he did. It's like, well, yeah, the other, the other thing of that was like, he was always doing some sort of like safety class for like either high school students or like kids or like they were at the fire station and whatever he was saying was like, it would be a shame if you like, touched a doorknob or whatever that was you know, blistering on fire and he touches it and like so he burns his hand and then as it progresses he's just doing more and more dangerous things to where by the end there's always like an explosion he's like been <laughs> shot through a wall he's got like seven hairs sticking up from the front of his head he's entirely bald and it like he like somehow like disconnected his jaw so it's like like two inches <laughs> over to the left he's like <laughs> but he did there was no makeup he just like was ridiculous yeah oh man uh, all right, Vera. Oh, Vera DeMilo, the uh, <laughs> also a Jim Carrey. He was a, a very buffed out female-ish aerobics instructor. Fitness instructor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he's like wearing the, just like the tiny triangles that covered his nipples, basically. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and like, they, so he didn't have like a wig on, or maybe he did, but his hair was long enough that they could put like two tiny little like pigtails that just stuck up in uh, bangs. And bangs. Like, bangs. we had bangs hanging down. <laughs> <laughs> and and just, just the voice. The yeah. voice was so perfect as far as someone that's going through a transformation. Just like just the transformations are almost complete. Hi. <laughs> and he looked at and he would always walk like you know the, like if you've ever seen like a skinny guy that thinks he's buff like he kind of they all walk with their shoulders out and their elbows oh, kind the, of extended uh, in, invis invisible lat syndrome <laughs> i've never heard that but it yeah. makes complete sense and that's how and it was just like all the i don't remember anything about like the workout fitness videos but like just that character was just it was a little <laughs> taboo at the time basically so that's why it was like so funny obviously um yeah. wanda 
Onda, just the lips. That's all I. That's all I remember. Him always being in like romantic situations with <laughs> Jamie Fox character, big curly wig, bright lipstick that would also get I think stuck on his teeth, and he just had a way of protruding and like folding out on the inverse his upper and lower lips <laughs> just like he's always just ready to just just m- make out with whoever it is he's with <laughs> so there's, there's two episodes that i remember specifically one that you're talking about definitely is like when he's on a date with tommy davidson so tommy davidson and his boy uh show up and tommy davidson has a has a blind date and his blind date ends up being wanda who's jamie fox who has like a blonde wig also like it's a blonde curly haired wig also that's just like so fake yeah. and you know jamie fox looks like a freaking football player so he's wearing this like sleeveless dress but he's all jacked and hulked out <laughs> and and tommy davidson for like the entire bit is like he's trying to get out of like the of of the of the date the, the entire time she's like oh i forgot like i needed a I needed some uh, some some Tic Tacs. I, le- I left some Tic Tacs in the car, and uh, Jamie Fox, she's like, or uh, Wanda, she's like, I-, I got you, I got, and she's like digging through her purse. Like <laughs> <laughs> Tic Tacs, like, oh, they- thanks, yeah, thanks. I forgot I need to. I need to actually uh, uh, like go make a telephone call. He like reaches in and he pulls out this like dial up telephone and like I got you. I <laughs> like, there's no way that Tommy Davidson can get out of this. And then the other one, um, which is like probably a little more a little more popular, is uh, she's actually like the lost. Um, member of in vogue so in vogue is just like the, oh. musical, the musical so they're singing and, and they're like she's they, they go back they, they've just had a show and in vogue famously used to wear these like um sort of like sequiny dresses that were all color coded it's like one was in blue one was in lime green one was in pink so they come back after after the show and like wanda's in there and you can see the oh shit on all their faces like oh how did like how did wanda find us again and she's like why do y'all keep leaving me on tour basically <laughs> like, like leaving from city city but I, she like wanda always finds them basically and like oh hey wanda like it's good to see you and like she's like how come y'all never let me sing anymore i was supposed to do a whatever yada yada and they're like okay fine like if we let you sing with us like will you will you just go he's like that's it she's like i just want i just want one one more chance to sing with you guys so they do their famous like never gonna get it never gonna get it and they're all like harmonized it's all beautiful and then jamie fox <laughs> or wanda rolls in at the very end and and like famously it's like a woo 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 like a very like you know awesome <laughs> and like but he barks it he's like woo, 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 woo. <laughs> And just the face that he makes. I think that's my favorite. That's personally my favorite character was Wanda. Everyone loves Wanda. Uh, Homie the Clown. Oh, man. Homie don't play that. That was uh, Damon Wayans who played a, a ghetto, extremely mean clown. And he had this, like, I don't know what you call those things. Uh, sock I'm sure Barry will find it. It was a sock, like, full of quarters or something. But there's a name for that kind of, like, weapon. Okay. And he would just smash it on top of these these. It was always heads. he was always at a kid's birthday party, but he was like a disenfranchised like black bozo the clown basically. Yeah, the best one is actually a blooper that they showed. Is that uh, they were trying to do this all in one take where Tommy Davidson played a little kid who was acting up, uh-huh. and uh, homie the clown had him sitting in the middle trying to make an example of him. So he like cracked all these eggs on his head, took this flower, antiqued them, just made a big mess on top of his head, mm-hmm. and then he broke character. Homie after- did. Make, yeah, after making huge, so they had to do it all over again. <laughs> Tommy Davidson, it was just like f bomb city, just like how the f did you wait until now to mess this kid up? <laughs> oh, I gotta go look for that. Oh, that's great. Um, uh, the tooth. Do you remember the tooth? 
That was uh, was that the boxing Jerry Curl uh, guy, and he just had like one. It was I don't know if that was like a Mike Tyson kind of kind of itch spoof. But it, it was like if if, Ty, if if Mike Tyson met like Glass Joe from Knockout, like that's who the character was. <laughs> so it was like famously like had like was like 0 and 99, so it was always like looking for his first win. So like he would always fight and just get like knocked out in the first round. So it was always like oh you know the announcers would be like is is this gonna be the day when he gets win? And then he would just get like knocked out and like almost like just like comically out so jamie fox was, it was always about the post the post fight interview and he was always he had a lisp definitely but he only had one tooth so that's yeah the tooth um there was the, the homeboy shopping network oh right mo money mo money mo money <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And so it's basically stuff that had all been stolen and it was always on like a flash sale like we got to get on it's limited time offer and it was always limited until you could hear like the sirens getting closer and then they're like <laughs> shut it down and take off <laughs> um there was uh handyman you remember handyman yeah i remember handyman and i <laughs> i mean I can't even really talk about it without there's without no way it we can't really bad all right guys all just go say, go look up yeah uh, go ahead all I can say is that he was a superhero, and instead of the S on his chest, that was the handicap symbol uh, on his on his uniform chest. His up up in a way was very ungraceful, and uh, he himself was a special needs superhero. That's that's that's. I'll that's just all, leave it at that's that. That's all. Yeah, that you, you've done enough. If you, hopefully you've piqued somebody's interest, and maybe it lives on. Uh, maybe it lives on. Do you remember the head detective? Yes. Yeah. That was. Uh, that was Damon Wayne's head, and it was kind of like a Mr. Potato Head. It was just his head and like hands and just like feet that just like right, yeah, right under his head. And I think Keenan Keenan Wayne's was uh, his like crime as uh, his his police partner. Yeah. And I all I remember is there always ended up him having to throw him somewhere. <laughs> like uh, we can't get in there. You know what are we gonna do? Is like just throw me in there. Like it always like close up. Like he would either like throw him like a grenade or like roll him like a bowling ball. Like one time he like stuck his fingers like in his nostrils <laughs> as if it was like bowling holes and just like, <laughs> like, like rolled them into a warehouse to make a big bust. <laughs> oh man, that's really funny. Then like the, 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 the optics of like, just like a, a, a very obviously like fake head going through. There was also dressed up with like all the prosthetics just, like flying through the air. <laughs> and then we had the, the Siskel and Ebert knockoff and it was actually just titled Men On and I always remembered Men On Film because I, maybe that's yeah. like the most famous one but they did Men On Film, Men On Books, Men On Vacation, uh, Men On Art and it was uh, David Allen Greer who's like an unsung hero of this entire thing like that guy was really funny in any sketch that he ever did and I feel like he does not get so the love the, the love that he does but this like Men on, on let's just call it Men On Film was great who was his partner in that? It was uh, um, Damon Wayans. Okay, Damon. I mean, you've brought up Damon Wayans like three or four times. Like maybe he's the unsung hero of that because he had some popularity too later on. He was, and when you think about it, we talk <clears throat> about what huge stars, um, you know, Jim Carrey and Jamie Foxx, J Lo were. Mm -hmm. Damon Wayans was actually he didn't reach the maybe the level of success that they that they did, mm -hmm. but he was the first one to kind of transcend the show because of how good he was and go out and start making movies on his own. He did Blank Man. He did, uh, <laughs> I think, Bulletproof with. Uh, with Adam Sandler, he did uh, the last um, the last Boy Scout, the last Boy Scout. Dude, yes, that's yes. The, so yeah. So I he was I, first. He that, was actually first. That like intro to the last Boy Scout was like like jarring. It was like it scarred me. Like famously, if you don't know what the last Boy Scout, yeah, <laughs> the, like 
he's going to okay. score a touchdown for somehow, and there's like a defender coming at him, and it's super rainy. It's a gnarly game. And he just like mid like sprint pulls out a gun and like shoots the other player like in the thigh. I don't think I ever actually watched the movie, but like that's all that's the enduring memory I have of like the last Boy Scout. Remember that opening scene too, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he was he was really good in in a lot of stuff. Also, my wife and kids was really funny. That was like Tisha Campbell. Yeah, Gina, Martin's, Gina, uh, yeah, Gina, Gina, yeah, Gina, yeah, yeah. Um, she was the wife, and then who I actually liked the most on that uh, show was the son Junior who was like the lovable idiot on that show. I don't know. Did you watch that show much at all? Uh, a little bit, but not very much. I really liked him it. as a character. Um, so there was that. I think, uh, I don't know, any other things that you that, that you remember that you wanted to kind of bring up? Any other skits that like, those are the, the heavy hitters that I felt like we got to at least talk about those. Uh, there was uh, the Buttmans. Who's the Buttmans? Was a, Did they it have was heads? a family... They had they had they were butt butts heads for... basically they had butts on top of their head they were called the buttmen so base <laughs> oh there was there was also uh, another great Damon Wayne's character um, Anton Anton the homeless guy oh he was he was the one that yes. like walked around with the pickle jar but it was urine <laughs> it was like pickles, yeah or it was like was it urine or was it pickle juice oh man I remembered yeah. that. Oh goodness! Yeah, and he was always yeah. He it was like the original uh, who, who not Ashy Larry. Who was the guy that the uh, Tyrone Biggums? It was like the original yeah. Tyrone Biggums, basically. And just his voice of that character was just so funny. Like uh, I remember there was one where a family was moving. I'll never forget this. A family was moving and they're unloading their boxes. And out of one of the boxes was Anton, the homeless guy. He like <laughs> snuck into the moving truck. <laughs> And he's like, oh, I guess I'm going to live here now. <laughs> and, and he always had a habit of, like, mid-sentence, just, like, picking out, like, a huge booger. <laughs> just, like, really digging in there and just, like, wiping it on his leg. Getting it after it. Oh, oh <laughs> man. Oh, fantastic, fantastic. Oh, man, that was really great. I think, um, sort of trying to wind it down now, let's talk about how it ended. Because what I think was so interesting about this show in particular was like how short it was. You know, you, you mentioned off the top that it was a five-year run, but it burned super bright, man. I mean, if you could just contrast that between like Mad TV, SNL, and and this as just like comedy variety shows. Well, these shows, I mean, the other two, SNL, Mad TV, they're all kind of the same kind of stock. It's uh, you make fun of current events, you make fun of the news, you make mm -hmm. fun of celebrities. Mm -hmm. And Living Color did those same things, but they did it with a lot more creativity. And I think in Living Color, star shone brightest, really to me, for what it was. For those, you know, four or five years that it ran, it was the best sketch comedy show, best five run of sketch comedy I Agreed. think you'll ever see. Agreed. Even in the SNL's heyday, even in their golden age of the, uh, I guess it was late 70s with Eddie Murphy and Bill Murray and Steve Martin and all those. And then they yeah. had that second golden age with Adam Sandler and yeah. David Spade and Chris Farley. I still I still put in Living Color ahead of them because their stuff was just so there's only so much PG funny stuff you can do. Mm -hmm. You got to get a little <laughs> bit vulgar to really get those belly laughs going. And they were able to do that. And I think that's they weren't short because they were unsuccessful. They were short because the brainchild of that show, Keenan Ivory Reigns, I think, threw in the towel. He's like, I, it's too much work to, to get this show exactly how I want it. And if I can't get it how I want it, then I'm not going to do it. So yeah. So doing it. in other conversations I've had with people about television that know kind of a little bit about it is there's always this interesting dynamic 
that they have, which is at the beginning, they're very like low budget and people are just kind of throwing stuff against the wall to see what sticks. And then once they have sort of a commercial success, um, more like fingers get in the pot of trying to like mix it. So in the beginning, it was just like, I don't care. Throw it on Sunday nights at like 8 p.m. Like nobody's watching TV then basically. It's kind of like Friday nights where people go to die or shows go to die, right? But as they get more and more um, kind of popular, there's more like chefs doing the cooking and, and have like an opinion on what, what is happening. So, and it usually happens somewhere around like this, the third season of these shows because there's like a sustained history of success. And then in season three, the writing changes because, well, hey, we've got RC Cola, but now we have Coca-Cola. So we got to be like a little more diligent about like what we do and like, hey man, like Handyman's not going to fly anymore. Basically, like we need to scrap that. It's like, okay, well, right. you know, we can't do that anymore because Pepsi doesn't actually like that you're doing this or, you know, micro machines or whoever was, was doing it. So that's kind of a funny thing that happens with when it basically catches the attentions of like, of like the CEO and people like that. And they say like, Hey, all right, we got a cash cow. Let's destroy it. Basically. <laughs> they don't, they don't yeah. intend to, but they want to get in there. They're successful. They think like, Hey, we, we can get a, a little more conservative. Let's not fly so close to the sun and it loses its edge. And then it just kind of withers. Yeah. Also, you got to remember this was on Fox and Fox was still a pretty relatively upstart network at mm -hmm. that time. It hadn't been around very long. So I think it was just looking for any kind of content that it could put out there it that did. would that it, would hit. And they were known for being edgy because they had the Simpsons. They had this show. They had, you know, Martin Gina. They had all that stuff. But they also Married with children and they didn't have football yet basically. So they didn't right. have those monster advertising dollars or eyes that they would. So they were just trying to get a foothold in any way they could. And like being countercultural was like at the heart of who Fox was. And I think a lot of people didn't take them serious. Even I remember like kind of as a kid before we had cable in Lubbock, it was like channel eight was ABC, 11 was CBS, 13 was NBC, or maybe those were switched. And then like 34 was Fox. So like they couldn't even get like a... <laughs> Like, like a, way over yeah, on the dial. <laughs> like a broadcast even close to like the major players because it basically became one of the four horsemen eventually. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I, everything you said about Mad TV, which I I thought overlapped, but you, you, you definitely looked up and said it does not, it did not overlap. So it almost like they supplanted it with like a white version of, of things. Like it was still multicultural and much more multicultural than like SNL, but like uh, In Living Color was kind of like a black show basically. And, it was yeah. Jim Carrey was like the token white guy. And then they had show. they had the one the one white girl uh, with the blonde hair, and then they had the Asian guy Steve something I can't remember his name, but that might have been later even. Um, and then it, it it seemed like they like said, well we we like it, so let's do something a little different. And Matt TV had had a lot of hits too. Like I'm not gonna like yeah. disparage it. It, oh, was, yeah. it was it was really funny stuff. They just never quite hit the home runs, basically. You know. Yeah. Um, cool man. I, I don't know any finishing thoughts you had on this. Um, just, uh, I mean, it's just interesting to go back and think about that show and just like, how would that show one that wouldn't fly on network TV today, mm -hmm. it would have to be on a cable network and maybe even a premium cable network. But I also wonder the avenues then, well, then there's a lot more of them now. So what if Keenan Ivory Wayne's now resurrected the show yeah. on a premium cable network with no restrictions? I like mean, bring bring the team back, do a reunion, do whatever, just have it back, have it on a premium cable network and 
do whatever you want. No restrictions. I bet it would be some of the greatest stuff we'll ever see. I bet like Comedy Central should do that. Absolutely. That's the like that would be a natural home given the Key and Peel, given the the Chappelle show, all the stuff that the great stuff that they've put out um over the years. So yeah, I guess great, great, well said. I think I totally agree with that. Just a little behind the scenes stuff for for you guys. Uh, obviously we want to thank you all for uh, tuning in. It, the numbers are kind of kind of going up. We're, we're being consistent, so we're glad that you're all coming back. We're getting more and more stuff on the on the Instagram, which is always a lot of fun. Um, but next week's going to be actually a little bit of an interesting episode. We've got uh, Alan's going to be uh, traveling a little bit, so rather than try and like squeeze another one in and like cheat, you know, cheat the subject and do a, do a poor job, uh, we're going to do actually like a best of. So I'm I'm going to try and put and I'll get Alan's input on this, but we'll get like kind of uh, something that encapsulates each episode and just kind of do like a, a little, um, what is that called? Just like a, a best of basically. Yeah. So, a clip show. A clip show. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, uh, yeah. after, after a little one week kind of, uh, break, we'll be back in Adam, uh, with all new fresh stuff, but just kind of wanted to get everybody's attention on, on that coming up. All right. Looking forward to the clip show. Looking forward to, it's going to be fun to look back and, and look, look at some of the content we've done and we've been at it for, I think eight, nine weeks. Yeah. Uh, straight now so that's that's a lot of content and uh i haven't had a chance to really go back and, and kind of digest some of the stuff we've done so I, th- this will be fun yeah awesome man uh thank you so much for the time again as always guys thanks for tuning in uh and we'll see you guys next week good night y'all thanks for listening to i live the 90s you can find past podcasts along with the companion blog with photos on the website I lived the 90s.com, 90s spelled out. You can also listen to Alan and Brian on Apple or Spotify. If you subscribe or leave a comment, it helps more people discover the podcast. Thanks so much for your support.